Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Okay, today's daf, Masechus Gitten, is daf Mem Gimel, 43. We have four sections in today's daf. The first is actually going to be a continuum from yesterday. Yesterday we left off with a question regarding the sales of specifically knas of an Evet Kanani, if that's an effective transaction. Um, and we'll resolve that, we'll attempt to resolve that today as the first section. The second section is going to be the marital status of an Evet Kanani who's half slave, half free. The third section is going to deal with the marital status of a Shifcha Kananis who's half slave and half free and certain scenarios that would happen regarding her. And the fourth case, the fourth part of today's daf is going to be a new Mishnah, which teaches us the knas that is placed on an individual who sells his slave to a goy or to chutzal aretz, and the certain ramifications of that. So if you look inside, we're holding Amar Rabbi Abba towards the top of Mem Gimel Amud Aleph, two, four, five lines from the top of Mem Gimel Amud Aleph. And I just want to recap where we left off with yesterday so that we're all up to date. Yesterday we left off with a shaila. The shaila was, is it was like a shtickle insurance shaila. The halacha is, an Evid Kenani, if it's killed by somebody else's ox, so the owner of the ox has to pay the owner of the Evid Kenani 30 silver coins. It's a flat rate. The Torah says 30 silver coins, regardless of the value of the Evid Kenani or not. Now, what's the halacha? We said yesterday, can the owner of an Evid Kenani sell specifically that potential income incurred if his Evid Kenani should be killed to somebody else. This was the Shaila. Meaning, is there a capacity for a master to sell the potential dividends of an Evid Kenani? His Evid Kenani, should he be killed, those 30 silver coins will go to somebody else. Right? This, as I said, it's like an insurance Shaila. It sounds a little bit like selling life insurance kind of selling somebody else's potential basically that's what it seems to be so we explain the shaila exists both in Reb Meir who holds you can create a transaction on something that's not here yet right. we said it exists within his shita because maybe he only right. holds that you could create that transaction when you're dealing with things that are likely to happen like peros dekel to sell the fruits of a tree even though they haven't yet come because they come every season but the fact that an Evan Kanani is going to be killed and then the, the other one will pay out is not necessarily as likely. It's also a Shaila in the Chachamim because the Chachamim hold you can't make a transaction in Atdavar Shalobala Olam. Maybe they only say that by something that there's nothing tangible yet. But here you have an Evid, you have a Shore, so maybe this is considered tangible enough that you could create a transaction. This is the Shaila we left off with. So today we're starting five lines from the top of Gimel Aleph, Amr Rabbi Abba Tashma. Rabbi Abba tries to resolve this question with the following brisa. Now the Pesukim we're about to quote are Pesukim that talk about how a Kohen who owns an Evid Kedani, the, Kohen, the, the Evid Kedani is allowed to eat truma because he's property of the Kohen. Now it says in the Pasuk, that's if he's Kenyan Kaspo, if it was an Evid Kedani purchased by the Kohen, or it says Yelid Beso. Yelid Beso means if he was born in the house of the Kohen. Meaning, the Kohen had purchased the Shifcha, and the Shifcha gave birth to a child who's also an Evid, he can also eat Truma. 
So the Pasuk says, Tashman the Bryce says, Vyalid Bayis, it says that he also a, an Eved born into the house of the Kohen is allowed to eat Truma. Matamad Lomer. So the Gemara, the Brisa says, what is the necessity of this Pasuk? Im Kenyan because logically we could say, if one who is purchased by the Kohen, an Eved cannot be purchased, and then he enters the house of the Kohen, he's allowed to eat Truma. Yilid Bayis, Lokol Shekain. Certainly a Eved cannot be born into the house of the Kohen. He's, was, he was never a free person in the first place. He was always owned by the Kohen. So why do you need to tell me there he also could eat tr- Truma? So the Gemara answers, Ilu Kain. <clears throat> if it only had said Kenyan Kaspo in the Torah, Kenyan Truma, Yisiyomer, I would have said, Ma Kenyan Kesef, Sheyesh Boishava Kesef Oichel. I'd say, just as a Kenyan Kesef, and Evikinani purchased with money, by definition means he's worth a Shava Pruta. He's worth money. So I'd say maybe just as someone who's purchased, an Evid who's purchased by the Kohen can eat Truma, if he's worth something, he has value. So I'd say maybe also an Evid born into the house of the Kohen has to also be worth some value in order for him to be able to eat Truma. How do I know that an Evid cannot be born into the house of a Kohen even if he's worthless? We'll see how later how an Evid Kanani could be worthless. But even if he's worthless, he could also eat Truma. That's why the Pusik says, Yelid Bayis, so as to emphasize Mikol Makom in any case. Even if he's not worth a Shavakaz, if he's not worth anything, he could also eat Truma. Vadayan, Yomer continues the Brysa. Still, I could say, Yilid Bayis, Bain Sheyesh, Bain Shavakasef, Bain Sheyesh, Bain Shavakasef. Maybe I'd say it's true. If the person is born into the house of the Kohen, so from the extra word, Yilid Bayis, I'll say, even if he's not worth money, he's worthless, he still could eat Truma. Oichel. Kenyan Kasef, Yesh, Bain Shavakasef, Oichel. But maybe. A purchased Eved, only if he's worth a Shavu Kesef, he's worth some monetary value, he could eat Truma. Maybe I'll say, if he's not worth value, he cannot eat Truma. Talmud Loimar, therefore, it puts the two types of Avadim next to each other. It says, Kenyan It says, those who are purchased and those that are born into the house of the Kohen. Just as when he's born into the house of the Kohen, the Eved can eat Truma, even if he is worthless. Also, if he's purchased by the Kohen, that's the end of the Brisa. So too, when it comes to an Evid who's purchased by the Kohen, even if he's worthless, he can eat Truma. Now, this is the proof of Rabbi Abba. The Esau Kadaitach. Now, if it enters your mind, Evid Shemachra Rabu Leknas Machor, that a master can sell his slave only in regards to the potential payout of Knas. So is there is there no is there any slave who can't be sold for knas? Meaning if there is a fair transaction, some market value given, because I could sell my slave, i.e., the potential thirty silver coins that would come if my slave was killed, so then every slave is worth something. Even if my slave is weak or sick or old or any of those things, right. it doesn't make a difference. The Torah says if he's killed, there's a thirty silver coin payment. If that's valuable, because I could sell the Evid for that value, so then there's no such thing as an Evid that's worthless. Right. Must be the fact that the Brysa says there is an Evid Kanani that's valueless. It must be you cannot sell an Evid Kanani regarding the potential payment of this 30 silver pieces Knas. Right. So the Gemara says, hey, no, there is a slave that's valueless. It means really it could be you could sell the slave for his Knas. But Ika Evid Trefa. 
you have an Eved that was damaged or is sick in a way that makes him into a trefa, means he's not going to live very long. Rashi gives examples here. He says, his, uh, the, the Gemara, Mishnayas tell us examples of what's considered a trefa. This gets into kashras, but also in terms of survival. If a, it's very interesting. Rashi here says, if a person's uh, leg was cut above the knee, meaning his entire leg was severed above the knee, cannot survive. It could be this is in the times of, like, Mishnayas or Gemara. Today I want you have people that are amputees, right? Or Rashi says if the membrane of his brain has been pierced, he's not uh, he's not even right. Uh, one second. Yeah, meaning he's not going to live very long. Exactly. So the point is, in these cases, he's not even, he, since he's a trefa, you can't even sell him in terms of knas. Because the idea of knas is that if he's killed, the one who killed the ox owner, who kill, uh, who the ox who killed him, has to pay 30 silver coins. If he's a trefa, they didn't kill a living person. He's considered a barketala. He's somebody that's already dead, barketilahu. So therefore, there wouldn't be a payment of silver coins. Therefore, this scenario, there wouldn't be a knas that's sellable. But in general, there would be a knas that's sellable, and therefore, you haven't resolved the question. Asks the Gemara of HaChazilamekam Kameh, but one second. He's still fitting to do light work, meaning, even if he's a trefa, it's true, but for as long as he's surviving, He's fitting to do some sort of uh, light labor. So why is he valueless? The Gemara answers: We're talking about an Evikinani who suffered some sort of a trefa, meaning some sort some sort of a damage that makes it that he's not going to survive very long. He's also mukashchin. He's also a uh, uh, repulsive. And mukashchin means he's full of boils. You don't want that guy around. You don't want to see him. He's so he's so. Uh, unappealing, you don't want that fellow around. So therefore, he's not even fit for light work, and therefore this slave would actually be valueless. But in regards to the original question, perhaps you could sell an Evid regarding Knas. All right, that's the end of the uh, first point here. Now, second point of the day, we're holding at Iboilahu. <coughs> the Gemara Shaili here is going to be as follows. You have somebody that's half slave and half free. This is a male. A male, Evid Kenani, half slave, half free. <coughs> so we said how this could be is that uh, two masters, one of them gave him a get or a freeing him. Fine. Now, <coughs> the question is, can he marry a Jewish girl? Meaning, if he would go to a Jewish girl and give her a Shavah Pruta and say, Hare at Mekudesh Asli, is that marriage binding or not? Very interesting, Shaila. So says the Gemari, Bailu. <coughs> they asked the following question. So he's half slave and half free, and he did Kiddushin with a Baschar, and he gave a Jewish girl a Shavapruta, Harayat Mekudashis Li, Mahu. What's the halacha? Now, what's the Shaila? So in Mesechis Kiddushin, we have very interesting halacha. This is a, uh, one of those, you could say theoretical, but a very interesting halacha. We're going to learn, Be'ez Hashem, in the next Mesechta. If a man goes over to a woman and he says, You are married to half of me, and here's a Shavapruta. So the halacha is the Kiddushan is effective. Now, why is the Kiddushan effective? The reason it's effective is because really what the guy means to say is, if I want, I can marry another woman. It means he's giving a precondition, which is the halacha, by the way. Right. A man can marry two women. So there's no machlaikis later. So they don't argue later. You could say whatever. Either way, the point is, when he says, you're married to half of me, that's essentially what he means to say, and it's effective. But if he says to her, half of you is married to me, 
It's not effective. And the reason it's not is because what could he possibly mean? You are able to marry somebody. Well, that doesn't work in halacha. Midaraisa, she's not allowed to. So that would be ineffective. Now, in order to resolve our question here, if an Evid Chatzi Evid Chatzi Ben Chorin can marry a Jewish girl, we're going to try to bring proofs from those two halachas. So let's see. Im Tim Tzalomar. If you want to compare it to the case of Ben Yisrael Sha'amar Labas Yisrael, that if a Jewish man said to a Jewish woman, Hiskachi Lechatzi, you're married to half of me, Mikudeshes, so they are married. So maybe this is similar in the sense that he's Great saying, question. you are married to half of me, because the half of me that's free you'll be married to, so maybe it should be effective. But you can make a distinction and say, in the case where a Jewish man says this language, you're married to half of me, she is fitting to marry him in his entirety. So maybe there the Kedushin is binding, and all he means to say is, and I can marry someone else. But halo chazi in this case, she's not fit to marry the other half of this fellow. So maybe it shouldn't be effective. Maybe I'll compare it to the other case, where a Jewish man gives Kedushin and says, I'm marrying, half of the woman is married to me. And there, in a it's not effective. Well, then that, that's the sh- maybe that's the comparison, right? So maybe you'll say there is a comparison because there she can't be married to another man. So maybe the fact that that's not effective, this should also not be effective. Gemara says, but there also could be a distinction there because the Shire Bikinyano, in that case, he left out some of the Kenyan that he should have been able to do. Meaning he said, only half of you, woman, is married to me, the Jewish man. So in such a case, maybe since he left out part of what should have been effective, it's not effective. But the Evid said, you're married to the entirety of me that Kedushin is binding with, i.e., the half that's free. So maybe it is effective. My. So the Gemara says, well, what's the halacha practically? Can a chetzi ev, chetzi ben chorin, marry a Jewish girl? So Tashma, let's bring a raya. Now this is the b'risa we quoted above on the previous daf, and we're going to now analyze a point that we didn't yet analyze, and this is going to attempt to prove if a chetzi ev, chetzi ben chorin, can have a kedushin effective with a Jewish girl, free woman. The b'risa said above, Tashma, heimis misha chetzi ev, chetzi ben chorin. If somebody's ox killed someone that was a half-slave and half-free. Now we know that the halacha is, if a person's ox kills a free person, the owner of the ox has to pay a payment called kofar, which is the value of the murdered victim to the family. If he kills, if the ox kills a slave in Evid Kenan, he has to pay the shloshim uh, kesef, the 30 silver coins, to the owner of the Evid. But here it's half free and half slave. So the Brisa Paskins, no sin chetzi knas rabo, he pays half of the knas to the master, 15, the chetzi kofar liorshav, and half of the value of kofar to the inheritors. Now, who are the inheritors? So the Gemara says, If you say the Kedushin of the Evet Kanani is not effective, meaning he cannot marry a Jewish girl, so we look at him as entirely as an Evet Kanani, we'll explain this like Tosfos. So then there's no concept of Kedushin that binds an Evet Kanani, but the problem then is, if he can't marry anybody, he doesn't have any inheritors either. So then, Yarshin Minale, how does he have any inheritors? It must be, says Tosfos, that if he the fact that he has inheritors implies there is some form of Kedushin that could be binding. Well, what form of Kedushin is that? If he gives Kedushin to Abbas Yisrael, you see it's effective. And therefore, he could have inheritors, says the Gemara. So we have two ways to refute this proof. Amar Ravada Barahava. No, Ravada Barahava says, no, Kisha'aso Trefa. Really, when it says you give half of the kofar to the inheritors, it doesn't mean to his, to his children. That's not what it's referring to. What it's referring to is where the shore didn't kill this fellow. It made him into a trefa. So it made him into a 
Dead man walking, you could call it. But he's still alive. And therefore, am I Yarshav? What does it mean when it says you give it to the inheritors? Nafshei. It means you give him half of the kofar because he is still alive. Because it made him into a trefus who is going to eventually die. Therefore, you give it to him. But Enochinami, he does not have relatives because his kedushin is not binding. Amar Rava says back to Ravada Barahava. There's two answers to your Pircha. There's two pirchas to your pircha. You can't say that shot in the brisa because chada. First of all, the yorshev katani. The brisa says his inheritors. To say it goes to him is not the shot in the brisa. Right. And furthermore, koiferhu. We know that we're referring to the payment of koifer. The Amr Eishlakish Eishlakish says koifer in mishdalim el alachar misa. Even if you want to say knas, Rashi says over here. Pasuk doesn't emphasize specifically knas that the evad has to be killed, but by koifer it specifically says that the ox kills a person, then you pay koifer. So it can't be just made him into a trefa. So Elamar Ravas Ravas is a different pircha. Therefore, Ravas says. What it means in the Brisa, you pay half of the kofar, it means ra'oilitol. Since he killed this person who was half free, it would be fitting to give to his yorshim kofar, ve'enlo, but he can't give it. Why can't he receive it? Because he doesn't have yorshim. That's the point. So therefore, you haven't resolved our question, because it could be really his condition is not binding. And all the Brisa means is, if there would be a capacity to have yorshim, he would have received it. But he doesn't have a capacity, because the condition is not binding. All right, let's move on to the third section over here. Now, now we're going to switch and, and talk about a half shifcha, a half free woman. So it means if you have a scenario where a woman is half slave and half free. So Amar Rava, Rava says now, let's, let's talk about her kiddushin. So Ravash says, just as if you marry half of a woman, he says half of you is married to me, like we said, the case in Mesachas Kedushin, it's not effective. So too, if a Jewish man goes and gives Kedushin to a woman who's half slave and half free, now what's the logic? Because if, if you compare it to the case of marrying half of a woman, you can only marry half of this woman because she's only half free and therefore it wouldn't be effective. Darash Rabba Barav Huna. Now Rabba Barav Huna supported this psak of Rab and he, and he expounded, <clears throat> Just as someone that marries half of a woman, a Jewish woman, is not effective. So too, if the woman in this state of half free and half slave is, gets married, it's not going to be effective. Amr Lerachiz, said to Rabba Barav Huna, Wait a second, me dummy. You can't compare the two cases. Hasa, when you marry a half of a Jewish woman, Shire Bikinyanoi, he left out part of the acquisition that he should have completed. So available. So But in this case, he's marrying the entirety of what's available for him to marry because he's marrying the half of her that's free. So maybe it should be effective. Now, Rabbi Barakuna accepted the Kasha and he said, you know, you're right. Taka, you're right. And Hadar Ukim Rabbi Barakuna Amorale. So Rabbi Barakuna went out and he took a Metorgamon and he established him in front of him, which means he took a loudspeaker. He took a fellow to broadcast the Halacha and he changed his tune. Vidarash, and he expounded as follows. The Pasuk in Yeshaya says, Va'amacha Pasuk tells us, Yeshaya tells us in the times of Korban Bayis, there were no leaders in Torah. And if, if they found somebody that had any capacity to lead and direct in Torah knowledge, they would say, This stumbling block is under your hand. We're about to explain it refers to Torah. So guide us because you have Torah. And as, as the way Rabbi Rafuna expounded the Pasuk, is a stumbling block. Why? 
You can't master Torah unless you stumbled in regards to them. You made a mistake and somebody corrected you. Rashi says, and you were embarrassed and you admitted the fact that you were wrong. That's divrei Torah. That's the only way to master it. Afal pisha amru, and therefore Rabbi Huna retracted to Paskin like Rav Chizda. He said, and he He said, Afal pisha amru, mekadesh chatzi isha ein mekudeshes. Even though if you marry half of a Jewish woman, it's not effective. Avol chetzi yeshivcha, vechetzi baschanchin eskadja kedusha kedushin. But half of a it would be effective and the distinction is like Rav Chizda said because here you didn't leave out any of the Kenyan that was available my time what's the reason because in regards to a woman Jewish woman that you married half of her he left out part of the available acquisition and regarding the he didn't leave out any of the available acquisition now that's the conclusion of Rabbi Baruchuna and Rav Chizda. But Amr Rav Sheshes, Rav Sheshes argues and says, Just as if you marry half of a woman, the marriage is not affected. So too, half of a shifcha and half baschar that gets married, the kedushin is not binding. If somebody's going to whisper in your ear, means challenge my psak and say, The Gemara in Kriyasis tells us, what is a shifcha harufa? There's a parsha in the Torah called shifcha harufa, and there's a machlokis in Tanoim, what it refers to. And if some will tell you, what does it refer to? Shifcha harufa is a scenario where you have a shifcha, we'll see it's a machlokis Tanoim, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yishmoel, what it refers to in a moment, if she's half free, not half free, but she is dedicated to be with an Evid Ivri, and someone sleeps with her, someone else sleeps with her, a Jewish man, he's chayv to bring a korban asham. And if somebody will tell you what is a shifcha harufa, like Rabbi Akiva explains, it's a half-slave, half-free woman who's me'urasa to an evid ivri. Well, what does me'urasa mean? She's married. That's in gate. That's the uh, first step of, of marriage. So Alma, you see, basis rusihi. You see, she could have erosin. So if somebody challenges my psak to say, you see, there is capacity of kedushin, and Merlo, so says Rav Sheshis, what you could respond to him and say is, Klach eitz Rabbi Yishmael, but go look at Rabbi Yishmael's interpretation of Shifcha Harufa. Shehu Aimer, because Rabbi Yishmael says the Shifcha Kenanis Hamurasa Le'Evid Ivri. He says it's talking about a Shifcha Kenanis who's entirely Shifcha Kenanis. She's not half free, and she's Me'urasa to an Evid Ivri. Now, obviously, Me'urasa in that context can't mean Erosin, proper Erosin, because she's a Goya. I mean, she's a Shifcha. If she's a complete Shifcha Kenanis, there's no capacity for Kedushin to be effective. As Rashi says, when it comes to Avadim, it's Am Adom Chamor. They're compared to Chamor, donkeys. You can't have Kedushin effective. The Shifcha Kananis Basis Rusei is Shifcha Kananis able to have Kedushin? Obviously, says Rav Sheshis, what do you have to say within the opinion of Rabbi Ishmael? My Meurasis, what does that mean, Meurasis? Meuchedes, it just means designated, but it's not the classical colloquial term of Erosin. Achanami also here, my Meurasis, Meuchedes. In Rabbi Akiva's opinion, too, even though it's half and half, it doesn't mean Erosin. Mamish, all it means is. Miyucheres, she's designated, and therefore there's no raya from there that Erison is binding with a half-slave, half-free woman. Okay, now let's move on to another halacha about kedushin of this of a woman in this state. We're going to talk about the halacha of Yibum now. Now, we know that the halacha is, there's something in, in, in we learned in Masechus Yibam, is called Eishas Shtei Mesin. Now, what does that mean? Um, the halacha is, if you have two brothers, one of them is married, he dies, the other one has to do Yibum. Now, the Torah says it's only when she dies from one husband, when, when the husband dies, one husband dies, then the brother does yibum. But you could have a theoretical scenario where two brothers were married to one woman, 
they both die, the third one then would not be allowed to do Yibum. He'd have to do Chalitza. No. So how is that possible? The answer is like this. Reuven married a woman. He dies. Before the other brothers could do Yibum or Chalitza, one of them gives her Maimer. Maimer is a rabbinic Yibum. But it doesn't fully affect Yibum. So she's still somewhat connected to her original husband. But now she's also connected right. to the second one. And then the Shimon third. dies. Right. So now she falls to the third one. The halacha is the third one so cannot do Yibum. He has to do Chalitza. Why, says, does that to, why does that have to be the situation where it was Maimer and not, and not that Shimon did Yibum? Because that's not Eishas Shtei Mason. The moment Shimon does Yibum, she's disconnected from disconnected, the Uvein. Right. And then she's and married she's to Shimon. If Shimon dies, Levi can do Yibum for sure. So the Gemara says now like this. In regards to this Chatzia Ev we're going to discuss now her status in regards to a kedushin that occurred before her freedom as well as after her freedom and tie in that halach I just mentioned. Says the Gemara, So let's say she received kedushin from Reuven while she was still half-slave. Then she was freed. After she was freed, she accepted kedushin from his brother Shimon. So she accepted Kiddushin from Reuven, then she accepted Kiddushin after being freed from his brother Shimon. Both Reuven and Shimon brothers died. They both died. So says Rav Chizda, she could do Yibum and be married to Levi. Turning to Memgimum and Beis, their brother. This is not considered Eishes Shnei Mason. Now, why is that? Because Eishes Shnei Mason, as I explained, is only when there's a connection retained to both of them. The original one was her husband. The second one was through Maimer. But here, we had a machlokis above. If the kedushin to a shift of Chetzi Baskarin is effective altogether, we're going to explain this like Rashi. And therefore, regardless, only one of them is married to her. Let's explain that. Manifshach. Because regardless of the way you look at it, either way in Psak, she's only married to either Reuven or entirely to Shimon. Because if the original marriage of Reuven when she was half slave was effective, like the Shittas we had earlier, so then the second brother who gave her Kedushin, it's not binding. You can't give Kedushin to your sister in law, it's not effective. So she's only falling from Reuven. The e kedusha de Shimon kedushin, and if the kedushin of Shimon was effective, kedusha de Reuven lav kedushin. So then the kedushin that was given by Reuven originally was not effective at all. Meaning, if the, in the state that she was in as a half slave, it wasn't binding. So then Shimon's is effective, and Reuven's is not, because in that state she wouldn't be able to be married, and therefore Levi can do yibum and manafshach no problem. Now the Gemara says a similar case where we're not talking about brothers. Itmar, it was stated, This looks very similar, but Rashi points out a very important difference. So again, she's half slave, half free, and Reuven gives her Kedushin. And then she's freed. Now this is very important in this case, that she's freed, because we're going to see the freedom is going to be viewed as either uprooting that Kedushin of Reuven or finalizing the Kedushin of Reuven. Let's see. Now, she reaccepts Kedushin from Shimon. Shimon is not the brother in this case. Shimon is a different man. So she accepts Kedushin from Shimon following her freedom. So there's a machlaikis, how we view the nature of the freedom. Rav Yosef Barchama Amar of Nachman, Paku Kedushin Rishon. The first one's Kedushin was uprooted because essentially it's a Giyor. And when a person undergoes Giyor, it's Kekatan Shanola Dami. So the first one's Kedushin doesn't exist. And Shimon's Kedushin is binding. 
Rabbi Zera Amar of Nachman, Gamru Kiddusha Rishon. So Rabbi Zera in the name of Nachman says, it completes the first one's Kiddushin. Meaning, the first one's Kiddushin was binding, and therefore when she's freed, now the Kiddushin spreads to the other half of her that was previously a Shifcha. Amr Rabbi Zera Kavasi Didi Mistavra, in accordance with my Shita, it's more logical, that it actually completes the Kiddushin, because the Pasuk says, again, by Shifcha Harufa, the Pasuk says, if a man will sleep with his Shifcha, who was designated to be with an with an Amma Ivri, with a uh, Evid Ivri, it says, Lo Yomsu, the person, they are not killed, because they were not freed. Now, what ad, what ends up happening is, the man has to bring an Ashram, he gets Malkus, but he doesn't actually get Misa. So the implication, this is how Rabbi Zera tries to interpret the Pasuk, is, Ha but that's Mashma, that if, after, there was only when the other person slept with her before the freedom. But if after she was entirely freed, this shivcha harufa, somebody slept with her, yumsu, the implication is, then somebody who slept with her would end up dying. Well, why would he die? The answer is because you see the conclusion of the kedushin that had been done with the Evid Ivri prior to the freedom, it's finished afterwards. So you see, says Rabbi Zer, if you interpret the diok that way, that it actually is completed with shikhr. Amr Abaya Abaya says, Lieutenant Verbi Yishmael, the Amri refutes this proof. He says, According to Tan Verbi Yishmael, we had above his opinion in Shifcha Harufa, the Shifcha Kananis Ame Uresis La Evid Ivri, that he says it's a complete Shifcha Kananis who's married to an Evid Ivri. Is it true that when they're freed, they will die? Means the Kedushin is completely ineffective originally because she's like a Chamor. So it can't be completed that they'll get Misa after the fact. So says Abai, obviously, how do you have to interpret the verse? What it means is, if she's freed and someone gives her kedushin as a free woman, then she'll be chayav misa. If she's mezana, Hachanamis on Rabbi Akiva's opinion too, where she was half free and half slave, It's only if she reaccepted kedushin, but it's not a raya that the kedushin is consummated, is finished when she is freed. Final point about this woman, Amr of Huna Bar Ketina, Amr of Yitzchak, Maisa Be'isha Achas, there was a story with one woman, Shechetz Yeshivcha Vechetz Yibascharin, who was half free and half slave. The Kafuas Rabba Vasa'a Bascharin, they forced the master to free her. So the Gemara says, Lechara, why do they force the master to free her? Keman, this sounds like it goes with which opinion? Rabbi Yechanan ben Braika. Rabbi Yechanan ben Braika is a das yachid. And he holds the Amar, al that Hashem said to both Adam and Chava, Right, be fruitful and multiply and fill the world. Meaning, Yechanan ben Braika holds the mitzvah of Pru'a Revu also applies to the females. So he says it must be if they were forcing the master to free, Chetz Yeshevcha Vechetz Yebascharin, must be that he holds that the women are also Chayv in Pru'a Revu. It's not necessarily a proof because really it could be that they're not there was a different issue here since she was in this pseudo state she wasn't fitting to be properly with any man a free man or a slave and therefore she was just going around and people were having relations with her in a uh, loose way. So in order that she has the ability to marry somebody preventing future promiscuity, yeah, right. they said the master has to free her. Says the Mishnah, fourth point of the day, somebody sells a slave to a guy. Or to and the Evid goes free. Now why is that? Because an Evid Kenani is Chayv and Mitzvah's Ki'isha. How do you sell me goes free? Are you selling or not? 
No, like this. If a if a evid an evid kanani is somebody that's chayiv in mitzvahs like a woman, therefore he's chayiv to keep certain mitzvahs by his master. If the master sells him to a guy or he sells him to chutzal aretz, he's removing from the capacity to perform mitzvahs. He'll eat trefus by the guy. Once I was only finished, let me let me finish. Or in chutzal aretz, he's not going to be able to keep the mitzvahs of eretz yisrael. Either way, you're removing him from the capacity of mitzvahs. So the chachamim came along and they imposed the knas on this master. They said, "Is if that." Eved will run away from his non-Jewish master, or if he doesn't, you, the Jewish master, are responsible to actually redeem that Eved. You have a responsibility, and when you redeem him, he goes free. So it's a double knas. You have to redeem him, and even when he goes free, when, he, when you redeem him from that guy, he, he's not going to come back to you to be a slave. He actually leaves your servitude because you did something that was inappropriate. How's the sale going to go through? If you, if you sell him, he goes free, so yeah. you're not selling him. It's considered a sale. That's the point. Meaning, if you go through those steps and that goes against Takanas Chazal, you're not allowed to do that. So then the Eved goes free. Says the Gemara, Tanarabba, non, says the Brisa. Again, if you sell your slave to a guy, he goes free. But he still requires a get shechror to separate yourself from him in regards to Yisurim so he can marry a Baschorin. That's only where you didn't previously write an Ono. For the Eved Kenani. Avokas of Olive Ono, if he did write an Ono, Zeo Shichruro, that already acts as his freedom. My Ono, what's an Ono? the Kasav Lehachi. Means before he sold him to the guy, he had already written the following document to his Eved Kenani. if you run away from the guy, Ainli Esikbach, I have nothing to do with you. So when he pre wrote such a document, already when he runs away from the guy, he'll be free. He doesn't have to actually give him another get Shichur. Let's finish up here. Tanarabana says the Braisa. Now, what we're going to show momentarily is this knas chachamim, that the chachamim said, if you sell your evet kanani to a guy, which is the wrong thing to do, will cause it that that evet kanani goes free, it's not only if you sell it to him, but also if you utilize him as a mashkon, meaning if you owe the guy money and you allow him to collect this evet kanani as the debt, so it's like a sale, and the Evid Kanani will also be forcibly removed from your possession. So Tanur Rabban and the Bryce explains, Lava love. Well, let's see. No, no, lachar not. Love love mina If a Jew borrows money using the evet kanani as a collateral from the guy, so he borrows money from the guy and uses the evet kanani as a mashkon. Kivan Once the guy makes his custom on this evet kanani, the evet kanani goes free. So the Gemara says, my nimuso. What is Nimusa? There's something that when the guy does this, it shows already he's in his possession and it goes free. It's like you were you broke Takanas Chazal. So the first answer, Amar Avuna Bar Yehuda Nashki, it refers to a seal. Rashi says is that they used to put something around the neck of an Evet Kenani to show ownership. So if the guy puts that around your Evet Kenani's neck, it shows that he's claimed ownership of him already. And then the the Kenas Chachamim kicks in, this Evet Kenani would be freed. Asks the Gemara, Masiv Rav Sheshes. Rav Sheshes says a brisa. It seems to illustrate that Nimusa does not refer to a seal or a symbol of ownership around the neck of the Avikanani, because the brisa says like this. <clears throat> now the case of the brisa here is as follows: You have a field that's owned by a guy in Eretz Yisrael, and the brisa holds that a guy who owns fields, land in Eretz Yisrael, it removes it from its status of meiser. It's a machlekes, actually. But even if a Jew works that field, we're going to see, and he has some relationship with that field, if he takes fruit from it, he doesn't have to take off maestras either. So what does the Bryce say? 
Arisen, if you have Jewish sharecroppers, Vachakiros, sharecroppers, sharecroppers is they work the field and they get a percentage, or Vachakiros, or they take a certain amount of produce from the field. But Jewish sharecroppers work in the field of a Goy in Eretz Yisrael, Varise Bate Avos, or if this is already a long standing tradition where you have Jewish people who work in the fields of Goyim and their children and children also do the same thing. Or a guy who used the field to give as collateral to a Jew who he owed money to. In all of these cases, even if the Jew did his nimuso, means he did his, which we're going to translate according to Rabbi Rav Huna Bar Yehuda above, means he did his symbol of ownership on it, Petura Mina Meiser, it does not make it that it belongs to the Jew, and therefore it's still exempted from Meiser. So says the Gemara, says, uh, says Rav Sheshis to Rav Huna Bar Yehuda, V'Islam Kedaitach Nashki, if it means the symbol they'd put around the Eved's neck to claim ownership, Sadeh Bas Nashki, that's not something you do on a field. So obviously that's not what Nimuso means. So El Amr Rav Sheshis, Rav Sheshis says differently. Zman. Really what it means is they wrote a time for collection. It means if in the star of, of debt they wrote a time of collection, that already would be enough that you broke Takanas Chazal in the first Brisa, and then it would be freed from the Jewish possession. Similarly, in the second Brisa, even though the Yisrael wrote in the document that if you don't pay me by a certain time, this is going to be a field that I will claim as my collateral, it's not going to be considered the Yisrael's in the sense that he's still not going to be Chayev and Trumas and Maestris. So the Gemara says, okay, but Kash is man man. Now you have a contradiction, Zman and Zman. Does the Zman written in the Shtar make it yours or not? The first Brisa says it makes it the Goyes. The second Brisa says it does not make it the Jews. So the Gemara says, Lo Kashya. So the first attempt the Gemara says is maybe the first brisa that says it makes it into the guys is when the time has come. If the time has come for collection and the Goy already has collected the Evid Kenani, so then he's taking him out of the possession of the Yisrael. That's why the Knast Chachamim kicks in. The second brisa is where the time collection hasn't yet kicked in, so it's not yet the Yisrael's. So the Gemara says, But if the first brisa is regarding the Evid, the time has come, so it belongs to the Goy. Of course it's going to be Knas Chachamim kicking in. So what's the Chiddush of the first price? Ellis, the Gemara says two final explanations of this. So either we could say both cases or the time hasn't yet reached. Meaning, they wrote a time in the document, but the time hasn't come yet. In the first price, even though the time hasn't come, the Jew, the, the Jew said, you could take my Eved's body, you could take him himself. So even though the time hasn't come, he was Mizalzel in Takanas Chachamim. He denigrated the Takana of Chachamim not to give your sell your, your Eved Kenani to a guy, and therefore, by doing that already, even though before the time has come, it already would be considered free based on the Knas Chachamim. The second Brisa, the fact that the Jew wrote a time in it that he'll collect the field, that's only that he'll collect fruits from the field. Fruits of the field doesn't make the field his, so he's not going to be chayev in Trumas and Maestres. Or we could say a bit of a different answer, that the case was, where really what happened was, he lent, he borrowed the money on condition to take a mashkon. The time of the mashkon arrived, meaning the time of the collateral arrived. So the way Rashi explains it as follows, he didn't take the collateral, says Rashi, so therefore what will emerge as follows. In the case, the first, the second b'risa, which says it does not become the Yisrael's, well, since he didn't collect the land yet, even if he takes fruits, it's not his. He doesn't have to take off trumas and maestras. But in the first case, if the time of the mashkun has arrived, since he was, he already 
um, allowed the guy to collect it, even though he hasn't yet collected it, he broke the Kanas Chazal, Kanas kicks in, and the Evid is considered free. Stopping at the top of Dalad Amad Aleph, Israel Shem, we'll pick up tomorrow with Daf Mem Dalad. Everybody have a wonderful day.